You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, thanks for tuning into the Tax Smart REI podcast. This week's episode is the first part in a series we're calling Tax Terminology, where we're going to break down the definitions of various tax terms so that real estate investors like yourself can better navigate this crazy world of tax. And today we're going to kick it off by discussing some of the key terms, including tax liability, marginal tax rate, effective tax rate, tax deductions, tax credits, and a lot more. We're going to dive into all of that after a quick word from Landlord Studio. Having a good rental management software is essential for landlords who want to stay on top of their finances, save time, and reduce stress during tax time. Without one, you're reliant on outdated and error-prone processes like spreadsheets, paper receipts, and manual reconciliation. Who wants to do that? This can lead to compliance issues, overpaid taxes, expensive vacancy periods, or worse. Master your income and expense tracking with Landlord Studio today. Import transactions to quickly reconcile expenses, automate rent collection and income tracking, digitize receipts on the go, and instantly generate financial reports, including Schedule E to make tax filing a breeze. Landlord Studio is much more than just a rental accounting solution, though. Take advantage of their range of property management tools from finding and screening tenants to managing leases and even tracking and managing property maintenance tasks. You can learn more about Landlord Studio and start your 14-day free trial at landlordstudio.com CPA. Use the coupon code REALESTATECPA at checkout for 25% off your plan. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA and use coupon code REALESTATECPA to get 25% off your plan and a 14-day free trial today. And we're back. So like I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about tax terms, tax forms, uh, so that you're more informed to have better conversation with your CPAs uh, when you're speaking with them and shopping for CPA services. So we're going to go through some terms first. I think the first term we're going to go through is going to be tax liability. So what exactly does tax liability mean? Tax liability at the end of the day is the amount of money you owe to the government, whether it be the federal uh, at the federal level or the state level or local level, whatever it is, a tax liability is ultimately the bill you owe the IRS. That's what a tax liability is. Right. So the tax liability is the total tax that you pay during the year. So it's not the tax that you owe when you file your tax returns. I want to make that clear, right? right. Because if I increase my W-2 withholdings or if I you know, make a $10,000 estimated tax payment, the amount that I owe when I file my returns is going to decrease, but my total tax liability is still the same. It's the total tax liability for the year, right? And that's what you really want to try to work down as much as you can, right? Your total tax liability compared to your total income, which is that effective tax rate, which we might be talking about here in a few minutes. Actually, I don't see it on your list. So let can we talk about that? Yeah. Effective tax rate? Okay. Most of you know that you're in a marginal tax rate. So I'm in the 37% tax bracket. Every additional dollar that I earn is taxed at 37% or I'm in the 22% tax bracket. And as long as I don't earn enough to bump me into the next tax bracket, I just stay at 22. Now, the marginal tax bracket is the tax on every additional dollar. Okay, so a common misconception is I'm in the 22% tax bracket. What's the next bracket after that? 24? 24. 24. So I'm in the 22% tax bracket, and if I earn another dollar, I'm going to be in the 24% tax bracket, and all of my money is going to be taxed at 24%. 
That's not how it works. If a dollar pushes you or whatever dollars push you into the next tax bracket, only the dollars that are above that tax bracket. So, so whatever's above the 24% tax bracket, like earning threshold, those are the dollars that are going to be taxed at 24%. Everything below is going to be taxed at that 22%. And then it just tears down to the 12 and the 10 and the zero. So, or I guess not zero, but it's a progressive tax system. So marginal tax rate simply means the tax bracket that I'm in, but it's only every additional dollar that I earn that's going to be taxed at that rate. Effective tax rate is my total tax liability divided by my total income. And the way that we look at that, whether rightly or wrongly, I don't really care. The way that we look at it is if I have cash flow from my rentals that I'm not paying tax on because of depreciation, I'm going to add that cash flow to my income amount to figure my effective tax rate. So my total tax liability divided by all my W-2 income plus my cash flow for my rentals, that's what we're really looking at. And that's how you can get these effective tax rates of you know, 10%. Yeah, I paid $100,000 in taxes, but my real estate portfolio is so big, it cash flowed a million dollars, but I'm not paying tax on the full million dollars because of depreciation. Right. That's a thing for passive investors too. You know, we, we always talk about this here on the podcast, real estate professional status, short-term rentals, all this stuff, but you can actually really lower your effective tax rate by investing in real estate and just using the losses to offset your rental income. And you could still, you know, it still comes out you know, ahead for you. You're still putting yourself in a very favorable position, despite the fact you may not be able to take those losses as non-passive. Yeah. Yeah. What's the 24% threshold? Yeah. Yep. So for married couples, married filing joint, it's 24% is 178150 to $340,100. So 178850 is the threshold. So if I earn $179,000 a married filing joint, then only $150 is subject to the 24% tax bracket, right? It's only the additional money that I earn over the threshold amount, which is 178850 And then every dollar that I earn all the way to, what was it, 340 something? 340100 All the money that I earn up to that point is taxed at 24%. Once I reach that, what's the next tax bracket? 32. Tax rate is 32%. 32. Yeah. So then we go to 32% after that. Now, everything above the 340 amount, 340, 100 is taxed at 32%. That's how it works. That's how your marginal tax bracket works. But what we like to do is we like to look at your total tax divided by your total income, including cash flow from rental real estate that was tax sheltered thanks to depreciation to figure out what is your effective tax rate? What did you actually pay on the money that you earned this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we we just went through tax liability, marginal tax brackets, and effective tax rates. Now uh, we talk a little about estimated tax payments and then tax refunds because it kind of makes sense, right? So again, uh, we talked about before your tax liability is the total amount you owe the government, not necessarily the amount you owe when you file your tax returns. So what basically happens is throughout the year, you're if you have a job, you're making payments to the federal government through W-2 withholding. So you're making basically payments towards your tax liability throughout the year. If you're self-employed, you may be making estimated tax payments. And estimated tax payments are payments that business owners have to make. Or even if you have a job, you may have to make estimated tax payments if you expect to have you know, liabilities that you're not may- maybe putting away for through your W-2 job. So estimated tax payments are payments you're making to the government throughout the year uh, for your tax liability for the year. And when you file your tax return, you're going to find out what your total tax liability is and how much you may owe or how much you may be refunded. So a tax refund is when you overpay the government throughout the year. 
And if you have a job, that means you probably withheld too much in your W-2 and the government's going to refund you when it's all said and done. If you're a business owner, you may have overpaid estimated taxes throughout the year and now you're getting a refund. Yeah. So two comments from this refund talk. First, don't be the person that is out there saying, oh, I got a you know $20,000 refund. I'm awesome. Unless it was like from cost segregation studies and depreciation, then you are good in my book. But if you're not doing any of that sort of tax planning and you're just getting these huge refunds every year, then you're not managing your tax position very well. And what I mean is you're over withholding on your W-2 wages or you're over committing on your estimated tax payments. You're paying too much in every year. That's why you're getting this huge refund. That's the first thing. The second thing is don't work with tax pros that promise to get you massive refunds because that's not what you want. I mean, of course you want the refund, right? You want the money back in your pocket. But what you really want is you want to reduce your effective tax rate over time. And here's how it could work. And, and I don't know of anybody that that says this, but just as an extreme example, if Tom was like, I'm interviewing CPAs and they interview Brandon and Brandon says, I can get you a $100,000 refund. And Tom goes, well, I'm going to go work with Brandon. And then I turn around and I say, Tom, I need you to make a $100,000 estimated tax payment to the IRS. Tom, okay, I'm going to make it. And then on April 15th, you get it back. $100,000 refund. I delivered on my promise. Right. So that's the point. It, ex extreme example. But the point is the refund is the output. It's not the actual KPI, key performance indicator, if you want to like really get serious. It's not the key KPI that you should be tracking on an annual basis. The KPI you should be tracking that shows your true tax rate compared to the total income you earn, it's your effective tax rate. My total taxes divided by my total income, including cash flow from depreciation. Absolutely. When you're working with a CPA or a tax pro on tax planning, effective tax rate, that's the KPI you want to pay attention to, not necessarily the amount of refund that you're getting, all right? Even, even though it's exciting to get a refund. Exactly. And just to take it one step further, the more realistic case for this that we've experienced with our client base is, well, my friend's CPA got them a refund and I had to pay $5,000. And then you look at their tax situations like, yeah, but your, your effective tax rate's like 11% because you crushed it with all the real estate stuff, right? So who cares? How, how can you possibly compare? Yeah, your yeah. friend got a $10,000 refund, but if their effective tax rate's 25% because they don't have real estate and they've just got their W-2 job and they don't have a method or a means to reduce their effective tax rate, the refund doesn't matter. Yeah, they got a $10,000 refund, but you saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes because of your real estate. So you got to look at that effective tax rate. That's the only thing that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the next term here, uh, next handful of terms, we got tax deduction. So there's a lot of confusion around what a tax deduction is and how it works. So, you know, effectively, when you look at a tax deduction, right, a tax deduction is, as the IRS would say, uh, legislative grace that they're giving you to deduct something against your income. So, for example, an expense is a type of tax deduction. There's other types of tax deductions out there. But let's just say that you were able to deduct your utilities expense for your rental property, right? So you have your income and then you're going to have all your expenses. One of them is utility. That's a tax deduction. So all your other expenses, they're all tax deductions. And what they do, they don't actually reduce the tax you owe, okay? Like some people think, okay, if I get a tax deduction of $5,000, I'm paying $5,000 less in tax. It's not how it works. It reduces your income, right? It reduces the amount of tax you're going to pay income on. So for example, let's just say you had $10,000 of income and you had a $2,000 tax deduction. Well, now you're only paying tax on $8,000 and you're not paying tax on the $10,000 you would have paid if you didn't have that deduction, if that makes sense. 
when you uh, compare that to a tax credit, okay, a tax credit is a credit that you apply against your tax liability, right? So if you have a tax credit of $2,000, it's actually going to reduce the amount of tax you owe by $2,000. It's the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit. A tax deduction reduces the amount of income you pay taxes on. A tax credit reduces the amount of taxes that you're paying, right? Yep. And there's two types of tax credits, right? There's a refundable tax credit, which means that if the tax credit wipes your tax liability out, completely and it's in excess of that, you can get it refunded, meaning you'll receive a check from the IRS because due to the tax credit. A non-refundable credit just means that, okay, well, we reduce your tax liability to zero using the credit and uh, <laughs> congratulations, you ain't getting any anything else from us. That's kind of mm -hmm. what a, a non-refundable refundable credit is. Yep. Yep. Great explanation on the tax deduction tax credit. Obviously, a tax credit is better because every dollar of tax credit reduces your taxes by a dollar, whereas every dollar of tax deduction reduces your taxes by your marginal tax rate, right? So if I'm in the 37% tax rate, then a dollar of tax deduction or a dollar of deductions saves me 37 cents in taxes. So you want to get the credits if you can, but you know, there's not there's historical rehab credits, there's there's a few things like uh, like the child tax credit and stuff like that if you're in the right earnings bracket. So they are out there, but it, but definitely better. So let, let's move on. Let's move on to repairs versus capitalization. Right. Uh, so a repair is something that helps you in the short run, in the short term. It's an immediate benefit. Um, well, I guess everything would be an immediate benefit, but it, it has a short life on it and it's not going to help you, you know, over 5, 10, 20 years. So a repair might be fixing a leaky hose in my HVAC. Uh, a repair might be fixing my appliances or fixing my cabinets or repainting or something like that. Those could all theoretically be considered repairs, short run help or short short run benefit. A Something that is capitalized in improvement, sorry, I guess we should say repairs versus improvement. Repairs are deducted immediately, right. whereas improvements are capitalized and depreciated over time. So an improvement where it differs from a repair is that it helps you over a long run. So a new roof helps me for 27 and a half years. A new HVAC unit, rather than repairing the leaky hose, we just replace the entire thing. So now I get a multi-year benefit from that. New carpets, new windows, all of those are improvements to the property because they extend the useful life of the property. I get benefits from that improvement over a long period of time, not a short period of time. Those are capitalized and depreciated over the useful life of the asset, typically 5, 7, 15, or 27 and a half years. Makes a lot of sense. So, Frank, it's a quick example. It's to say you've repaired, like Brent said, you put some duct tape, for example. I'm just making this up. You put some duct tape on that on that HVAC leak or whatever, that, that pipe leak. Well, that duct tape, you're going to get to deduct against your income this year in full. So if that duct tape costs you $10 from Home Depot, you're deducting that duct tape in full this year. Now, if you go ahead and put that roof on your property and say that roof costs you $20,000, well, you're not going to be taking that full $20,000 deduction this year. It's going to be capitalized and it's going to start depreciating and you're going to take one 27.5. <laughs> Basically, you're going to take a fraction of that every single year as a depreciation expense. So basically, you know, repair or maintenance, that's a deduction you're taking in full that year. Improvements, you're capitalizing and taking that deduction over multiple years. It's kind of uh, how it's going to work from a numbers perspective right there. 
And then um, we have uh, one more term here on a term we're going to go through in amateurs. amateurs am, amortization. I don't know. Amortization. Actually, amortization. <laughs> I don't know how often I actually say that word out loud. <laughs> it's just in my head. Um, and that's very similar to depreciation as it's an expense that's capitalized and taken over multiple years. And the you know a good example of that for uh, real estate investors would be loan costs, right? Not all loan costs are going to be deductible in the year that you get the loan. Um, instead, they're going to be amortized usually over the course of the life of the loan. So for example, you know, if you had a 15-year loan and you had $15,000 in loan expenses, well, you you would deduct $1,000 of that loan cost each year. Mm-hmm. So uh, amortization, again, very similar to depreciation in the fact that it's being capitalized and then being deducted over multiple years. Right. So the difference between depreciation and amortization is just the type of assets that you apply the term to effectively. So depreciation is real assets, things that you can touch and feel like cars, real estate, equipment, that type of stuff. You depreciate all of that. Um, You amortize intangible assets, things that you cannot touch and feel, right? Like Tom mentioned, loan costs. So loan costs would be amortized, i.e. depreciated, over the lifetime of the loan. So same concept, different word. You cannot bonus depreciate amortization, by the way. So uh, <laughs> your, your loan costs are, 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 are amortized over the cost of the loan. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you can't uh, bonus depreciate intangibles, unfortunately. That's about it for this episode of Tax Terminology. We're actually going to be running a three-part series on this, so stay tuned over the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to be going through tax forms, making sure everybody understands all the wonderful tax forms you're going to have to go through. And the number one tax form that you need to know as a real estate investor. It might surprise you. Yeah, and we'll go through that all next week, so stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And then also, the third episode of this is going to be going through services. And no, 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 I know what you're thinking. We're not trying to sell you on services necessarily. We just want to make sure that everybody in the tax smart investors community has a very clear understanding of how these various services work so that when you go speak uh, to your CPA or you go shopping for CPA firm services, whether it be through us or somebody else, that you have a very clear understanding what those are. So stay tuned over the next few weeks. We're going to be breaking all this down. And as always, happy investing. Hey, I wanted to remind you that we'll be running a special year-end edition of our popular TechSmart Bootcamp in November, where we'll be going in-depth on strategies such as the real estate professional status, the short-term rental loophole, how to optimize your tax position, special year-end strategies and considerations that we did not cover in this episode, and a whole lot more. Again, this bootcamp is designed to arm you with everything you need to know to maximize the tax benefits of investing in real estate before the end of 2022 and give you a head start as we head into 2023. It's the same great bootcamp that over 500 other students have already taken to learn how to save five to six figures in taxes, but with special year-end considerations and strategies that are not included in any other bootcamp that we've ever done. The investment is normally around $2,000, but if you're listening to this episode, you can enroll in the bootcamp for only $797. That's over $1,200 off. All you need to do is head on over to bootcamp.taxsmartinvestors.com and use the code INSIDERS at checkout. Again, you can enroll today by heading to bootcamp.taxsmartinvestors.com and use the code INSIDERS at checkout to get $1,200 off today. But that's not all. Everybody who registers using the code INSIDERS will get recordings of our 2020 and 2021 Tax and Legal Summit, which contains over 30 sessions and four keynotes on how to reduce your taxes 
protect the wealth you work so hard to build, and help grow your real estate business. Registration closes October 30th, so head on over to bootcamp.taxsmartinvestors.com and use the code INSIDERS at checkout to lock in your spot today. That's all for now, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients, and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.